Hello, and welcome back to the Double Take Podcast with Jess and Jenny, where we talk about all things TV. Today is your classic Veronica Mars rewatch slash watch for the first time podcast, episodes 11 and 12 of season one. Hi, Jess. Hi, Jenny. I have not seen you all weekend. I know. What did you do this weekend? Um, Some family stuff. Went out to the suburbs, did some swimming with uh, Carter's cousins. Uh, I can't remember, like dinner with friends, just like, you know, casual stuff. How about you? I went, where did I go? Why did I suddenly forget? <laughs> oh, All of I the went... things leave the brain. Yep. <laughs> as soon as someone asks me that question, I went down to Northern Virginia for my friend's baby shower. It was so lovely. Oh, nice. Very fun. And they I had saw the pictures. Really... Oh, you did. I was going to say they had really cool cookies, but you probably saw them. Those like oh, yeah. really fancy ones where people like, I don't know how they do these, where they decorate them really like uniquely. They customize them. They're like sugar cookies, but they're like really, really well designed. And they also tasted good. And I am still thinking about them. That's, that's, I feel like that's a feat. I feel like it's one thing to have them taste good. One thing to make them pretty, but the combo is often a little bit hard to come by. I agree. I now want to hire her for all of my events ever, although I'm sure it's very expensive. And also I'm pretty sure it's pickup only in DC, uh, but there are probably people who make those in New York as well. Oh, I'm sure. It's the kind of thing where I'm like, it's so cool. They look so cool and they're great in the picture and they're a fun little party favor, but they're also like pretty expensive, I think. So it's like, I don't know that I'd ever find it worth it but it would be so fun to have enough money to just be like here's my birthday party and here's custom cookies that say like 29 <laughs> yeah actually I really want to do that now my birthday's next week maybe I will oh yeah I'm excited I mean I'm gonna be on a plane on your birthday but I'm excited nonetheless it's weird that you're I feel like I've been 29 for a while which is a little bit true like it's been a few months but not that long but I keep thinking like oh I turned 30 so soon that's not no, true. <laughs> stop. No. It's also, I, yeah, literally just untrue. I feel like I don't have the 30, like, horrors. I don't know what I mean to say. I don't have dread yet. Maybe it'll come. But anyhow. Do you think you're going to do anything for it? Like a big party? Um, You know, maybe I'll combo it with, like, wedding-related things. Like, instead of doing a bachelorette party, maybe I'll be like, hey, for my birthday slash also sort of impending wedding, I'll rent this like house and people can come if they want, but I haven't really thought too much about it. That's what I want to do too. Yeah. Not to like exactly copy you, but it's a great <laughs> like idea. It's a common enough We'll thing. probably be copying you. Yeah. It's, it's just fun. perfect that we're both getting married the year we turn 30. <laughs> yeah. I... Yeah, I wonder if that's I wonder how my younger self would would feel about that. Um, not about us both getting married when we're 30, just about being 30. Well, yeah, whatever. It doesn't this is a big tangent. Um how about we get into the the episodes, starting with eleven. We could. I have one more not related question that oh, yeah, I was going to ask you right before we started and then we pressed record yeah, and I was yeah. like, well, I'll just ask you, have you seen Elemental, the Pixar movie? No, it's like the newest Pixar movie. OK, never mind then, because I haven't seen it and I was going to ask you how it was, but I'll watch it and I'll let you know. Uh, on a as like a aside based on that. So when we got home on Saturday, Carter had a bunch of movies as options for something to watch because we got back at like 
7.30. It was relatively early on a Saturday night. Uh, and the movies that he wanted to see were all things that he had not seen, but like thought he should. So one of them was Inside Out. One of them was Bend It Like Beckham. <laughs> one of them was, wait, shoot, now I'm forgetting the other ones. <laughs> In short, we watched Bend It Like Beckham, but they were all sort of like along the lines of old, I consider them classics, but I don't know if everyone would. And we wound up watching Bend It Like Beckham. That's the entirety of the story. I love Inside Out. That is, that's a really solid Pixar movie. It's never the one that I like think of first, but I did really like it. I don't think I've seen Bend It Like Beckham. Kira Knightley. I feel like Ugh. it came out like right before, like one or two years before She's the Man. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, they're the same. they were like similar, but I know they're not, but like in my mind they were. And She's the Man is my favorite movie of all time. So like there, there was no reason I needed to go watch Bend It Like Beckham when I had She's the Man. Yeah, they're very different vibes. Yeah, I, uh, I know that. But. But yeah, both very good. Good soundtracks, good like 90s energy, early 2000s, whatever. But yeah, anyway, speaking of the early 2000s, how's that for a segue? Perfect. (laughs) Excellent job. Veronica Mars, episode 11 of season one, entitled Silence of the Lamb. Gee, I wonder where they got that title from. I like that one. Yeah, it's directed by John Kretschmer, written by Jed Seidel and Dana Lynn North. Um, A little quick summary for this one. Keith returns to the sheriff's department briefly to help catch a serial killer. And Veronica is overwhelmed with requests for dirt on her schoolmates' parents. She also uncovers a huge revelation about her friend Mac in the process, which leaves her wondering if some things about your family are best left unknown. And that's my little summary. You're making a face as though you don't remember what happened in this episode. No, I literally watched them both today and I took a lot of notes. I remember what happened. It was just occurring to me that I don't think I liked that episode maybe as much as I thought I did when you recapped it. Like my first reaction after finishing it was like, oh, that was like entertaining. But as you recapped it, I was like, this was a silly episode. I don't like that the like parent thing was really just to set up the like baby swap reveal And also, when have babies ever been swapped? And also, why wouldn't they swap the babies back? You keep coming at this as though it's supposed to be like a very true to life situation. But I feel like as we've talked about before, you have to start considering it as more of like, uh, not just dramedy comma, nope, not just comedy drama, (laughs) but (laughs) comments of it all, but like more of a telenovela more of a soapy story like jane the virgin but teen detective like that's where we're coming from so like swapped babies that's the bread and butter of this show a murdered wow, teen, okay you know like <laughs> you're right i guess i'm i don't understand the tone of the show yet is that my fault or is it the show's fault i think it's just a combo of like it's i mean it's a lot early 2000s show i think its tone is pretty consistent i don't know if maybe that Maybe that's not exactly what you meant, but I feel like it's like a, yeah, it's like a teen noir, but noirs are always a little bit like soapy. Mm, fair enough. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's not, it's not not consistent in tone, but it isn't a very clearly established tone right off the bat. And I feel like as the season goes on, I'm like understanding it better, but I'm still it's still like putting me on the wrong foot sometimes. 
Hmm. Or I'm on the wrong foot. I don't know how to use phrases. I'm so sorry for trying. I'm stepping on something. <laughs> Please understand correct. what I was trying to say. Got it. I am a, maybe approaching it the wrong way. Maybe I'm just agreeing with you. Okay, fine. But the baby swapping <laughs> was like, okay. So if it's supposed to be soapy, then like, great. I mean, I'm really. But I mean, I'm jumping all the way to the end, but because we're talking about it, the the, the hands, scene. are we going to talk about the oh, hands? Oh, so bad. I wrote that down. I was like, I almost did so it, but I was like, Jenny, we have to talk about the hands. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She puts her hand up against the glass. But the way she does mom. it, the, the, the mom almost does it okay, like more true to well, life as though that's she's like reacting to it. Right. But the way that Mac does it, it's like she lifts her hand without bending her elbow in a way that just like <laughs> makes it so odd. I don't know. Everything I was about it was analyzing weird. it a lot. Yeah. Why would she reach up and touch the window? Like, especially that? when her family can see, I mean, clearly, yes, it was like a dramatic, I don't know, end of an arc, almost not even end, just sort of we're realizing Do we know how, back. how old were the babies when they found out they were swapped? They said, I think it was four years before they realized it. Which is why oh, they didn't switch them back. That's why I think they, they didn't swap them. Yeah, I missed that. I guess it makes more sense than if they were like. I was thinking I give them up to like two years till the point where like it would have made sense to swap. But four years, like okay, there's something there that I guess I don't know. They might have memories, and that would be odd. Oh yeah, traumatic. Although it's also traumatic to learn that you were swapped in the hospital, and it's like so. It's so like not subtle at all like she gets there and like there's a little girl who looks just like her the mom looks just like her the other girl is like blonde and looks like nobody <laughs> it's it's just a little much but yeah I mean yeah gotta love it uh wait before Did we you, go too I feel like this. yeah I really jumped you can go no I, re- I rewind us back hands. and you can plot a plot b like you normally do if you would like I mean we already talked about I mean plot a well, uh, up for debate. So plot A, if we're talking about Veronica's thing, is, is yeah, is a little bit of the finding dirt on the parents. But I also feel like if we call plot B a serial killer, that seems like a little weird. It was it was kind of a big portion of the episode. I guess it's plot B. B plot. I would say it is. Because, well, I don't know. I guess it's, it's arbitrary at that point. But in terms of the procedural aspects of the show, like that was the case of the week true thing so i don't know if you normally call that a or b but it's not going to come back again amazing right. that it was aaron paul i was like what the heck is he doing here and i always have to remind myself this show is older than i think it is because he literally had never been like a lead in anything when he was in this both aaron paul and max greenfield made their well okay i looked that up because i was like no way it's schmidt and i thought he was going to be in just like a little portion like a tiny portion and then i looked it up on imdb and he's in like 14 episodes oh, across yeah. the seasons so i was like okay i was gonna be like i can't believe they got him just for this little thing it must have been like very early in his career and it still was it is, yeah but i didn't realize he was like more of a Going to actual be a bit. named supporting actor so fun although kind of like it's always odd to see him in other things it's especially odd when he's not just like a different flavor of schmidt and i yeah, feel like he's different in this one He's so different in this. And I don't know if I like it. Oh, interesting. Okay. I love him. I just, why does he smile with every single word he says? He literally smiled. It's a very, everything. It feels like a very California 
version of himself. And by that, I just mean sort of like he speaks more slowly. He smiles at everything. He like almost like smiles through or like speaks through his teeth. Like he doesn't open his mouth fully when he's saying words. It feels like a very sort of like you're making such a grimace. I don't think it's. I just really don't like it. I don't like it. I couldn't tell if it, it just wasn't working for me. Interesting. Um, I like Schmidt so much. Like I just want Schmidt. Just make it be Schmidt. I know, but I feel like you there would be criticism if all he could play was versions of Schmidt. Like you would just be like, oh, this is just Schmidt, like a uh, beta version, you know? <laughs> like, it's, I mean, yeah, he's a character actor. There's lots of people who like kind of always play the same thing, but that's okay. Like yeah. Coach is the same in Happy Endings as he is a new girl and I still love him for it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, really quickly, we, we usually talk about when the original air date is because it helps put some things into context. This episode aired originally January 4th, 2005, which I think we talked about last time that it was originally, this episode was supposed to air in December, um, before Echo's family Christmas, the, um, air dates were a little bit swapped, which is why, so they, in the beginning when Madison Sinclair is celebrating her birthday, someone has the line of like, ah, the, the passage of the, the annual rite of fall. I don't remember what the actual thing was, but it's clear that it's like a little bit off kilter with Christmas. Christmas hasn't happened yet. They go into Mac's house. The house is all decked out for Christmas and it's just like a little bit off. That's why. Um, so January 4th, 2005, we've reached the mid 2000s officially. I'm going to leave it up to you as to what you want to discuss first, or we can kind of go in the order of the episode as per your notes. Yeah, I guess my notes go in order. I I liked the serial killer plot in terms of I was immediately more interested than whatever mm. other case of the week stuff goes on in some of these episodes. I don't necessarily care about the resolution of it. Like, I actually don't even remember what the resolution was. Like, Aaron Paul was the killer, right? I literally watched no. this today. I'm so confused. No, you're right. It was the other guys. That's the thing is like my brain just was like, by the end of the episode, I was just like watching, but yeah. like it wasn't sticking in my brain, the resolution to it. But the lead up to it, I found interesting. It had me invested. The okay. fact that the killer was like actually what? The salesman at the guitar store? No, just, yeah, the guitar guy. The guy the... who owned the place, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like that was not interesting to me in the end. But I liked the path to get there, I guess. Yeah, I think it's Obviously, hard for the like case Airball. of the weeks to be interesting resolution-wise, unless you know the character beforehand. Well, I'm, I've been binge-watching Psych, and I will say they do cases of the weeks really well. And well, I but, am often comparing the two, I will say. But so that's, that's the whole, like, yeah, okay. So I will say yeah, Psych... Psych is more pre- straight procedural than yeah. Veronica Mars. But I think... That's why maybe I'm not as interested in, like, I'm not as invested in Veronica Mars so far, is I feel like we're getting really tiny breadcrumbs of, like, the overarching mystery. Hmm. And then we get these procedural, like, A-plots, or whatever you want to call them, that are taking up all this time and just sometimes are plainly not interesting. Sometimes they're just, like, a little not as well done as they could be. Like the cult one where like the resolution was just he was like unbrainwashed or rebrainwashed or whatever you want to call it. Like from a few episodes ago, you're making a face like you don't know what I'm talking about. The guy like oh, joins the cult, yeah, but it's yeah, like yeah. really like it's like a happy cult. And then the well, there's like a just... sort of cult. No, I guess it's not a cult, but in the next episode. So I was getting I thought you were going to I thought you were jumping ahead, but you were jumping. Back. Oh, no, back. But anyway, 
it's this episode had me more invested. I will say I was interested. So I don't know that I have more specific notes about the serial killer plot other than Aaron Paul as a baby was cool to watch. <laughs> baby man. And Aaron, yeah, the yeah. Introdu- introduction of Schmidt was it had positives and negatives for me. Uh, a quick little thing about that is in the show. So we talk, this happens a lot. And Veronica Mars is like older people forgetting that Veronica is a teen or if not forgetting, like it sort of seems like less of a big deal. So Max Greenfield's character, Leo is supposed to be three years older than Veronica. Uh, in real life, they're the same age. They're both born in 1980 which I feel like it's hard to tell anyway, but. Interesting. Who yeah. knew? Like, yeah, well, not me until I, I looked it up. I feel like that is something that bothers me though about the show is like here, I, did, I didn't write a note for it, but I did have the thought of like, why is he hitting on her? He's a cop and he's 20 and she's underage. Like everything about that is wrong. Yeah, which he doesn't realize until late in the flirting but still then he still like invites her back to see his band it's like they should have called that off and it <sighs> happens like not infrequently in this show but like yes, older men are like hitting on her or whatever and it's wait what know, is- it's a lot i like remember i know that that's just how teen shows work like if you watch gossip girl like there, there's oh, a lot of appropriate yeah. things happening yes, yes, yes <laughs> but for some reason it's bothering me more as an adult watching this I mean, I think that's good. <laughs> so I think if it didn't bother you still, like maybe that would be an issue. But yeah, there's definitely some. I don't like, think they would in 2023. I don't think it would fly. I think it's it's I think it's a product of its era. I don't haven't seen any of the new Pretty Little Liars reboot stuff, but I feel like that was a key portion of Pretty Little Liars, the OG version. There is not a teacher-child romance in the new one. I but watched all any of it. overage, underage. No, I don't think so. Now I'm Good trying to remember. Them. I don't I don't believe so. I think we're all on board with that being like actually really creepy. Yeah. I mean, it was terrible. It was weird. <laughs> it's just like. But no. like when we were like 12 or whatever age we were when it first came out. We were like, oh my God, like, forbidden romance. <laughs> and he was like hot. The teacher was hot. <laughs> and so also we like very yeah, similar right, in age to the actress. Like they were. Okay. Yeah. True. So, so it's harder to tell. Creepy. Yeah. But it's also, it's unfortunate that we were all watching that at that age because there probably was someone who was not us or anyone we knew that maybe thought maybe it's not so bad 1000 percent was groomed by an old man teacher like that probably happened and pretty little liars was probably partially to blame i agree um (laughs) back to veronica mars hopefully not the same level of uh icky it's but still not, not the same ick yeah Smaller um ick. i had a so a leo note if you don't have oh wait sorry we were you said you didn't have very many notes on the serial killer thing no that was it i don't really either except oh yes i do sorry <laughs> um the portion where veronica meets leo for the first time we get a bunch of shots of leo's computer monitor and it shows a low battery warning from like the mac os operating system whatever um did desktop computers get low battery warnings or is that like a mess up someone in props was actually connecting like a laptop to a desktop screen well i guess if you had a monitor it could just be the monitors showing the laptop's 
battery. No, no, no. Like but it my, wasn't a lot. It wasn't a monitor. It was like an old school Mac, like with the big back. It was a desktop weird. computer. Yeah. I don't remember how those worked. Maybe they were re- rechargeable batteries. <laughs> I don't either. I thought not. And I was like, this is weird. But I think um, they had a plug. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I do remember my elementary school's computer lab had all those Macs, like the colorful. Yeah, those were nice. Oval ones. And mm-hmm. I thought that was like peak technology. Like, oh, yeah. Ooh, so special to have those. They looked so schnazzy. They did. They had like red like the and clear back. And, yeah. Very futuristic. Yeah. That's really my only thing. My only, because yeah, it's, it is, it was, it was interesting to watch, but it wasn't, didn't really move anything further along in the Veronica plotline, except we do get a little bit of interesting back and forth between current Sheriff Lamb, which Veronica uh, refers to as Deputy Lamb when she introduces, when she tells her dad that he's there, I think just to knock him down a peg. But we get an interesting dialogue between Mr. Mars, Keith, and current sheriff about like the way that they, the way that the different, the differences in the way that they conducted their sheriff's offices. And it seems pretty clear that, that Keith was a better sheriff. I mean, it's been clear the entire time, but just like another underscore. Um, Moving to the parents dirt situation and also Mac more in particular Mac and Madison Sinclair. Um, One quick thing is that if they were to switch spots, Madison Sinclair, Cindy Sinclair, Cindy Sinclair and then Madison McKenzie. It's <laughs> horrible. <laughs> that has to be a joke. That has to be like a in joke of the writers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It would, <laughs> it seems like too much of a coincidence for it to not to be. Um, Another thing that I noticed is that uh the, the little sister in the library that Mac meets is reading The Westing Game, which is a book by Ellen Raskin. And the book is like a young adult novel whose plot revolves around a teenage girl who solves complicated murder mysteries involving large groups of subjects, which is Veronica Mars. So it was a cute little Easter egg in there. I didn't remember what the plot of that one was. Like the yeah. name rang a bell. That was it. Yeah. I had a problem with, okay, I know it's 2005 and money is worth different <laughs> feels like what's the word inflation i don't know how the economy works money was more back then is that, stop laughing at me sorry no, no. So <laughs> when they say that when mac and veronica are like teaming up and they're like okay you've been charging 50 dollars per case per person who wants to look into their parents we could double it and split it and it could be our retirement fund. And they're dead ass serious. I'm sorry. $100 per case split between the two of them, even in 2005, is not giving them retirement money. She literally goes, college money. No, retirement money. And also, college was not that cheap in 2005. I don't even think it could pay for their college. Just a tiny thing that bothered me. So, yeah, I did not bump on that. I do wonder if I think that I think the proposal was with Mac, it would be faster. So she could do more cases, which would mean that they, yes, it would be still like $50 per person, but it would be a higher volume of $50. She could do multiple in a week. Uh, Also agree, like just saving it alone, but like maybe they were planning on investing it. I don't know why I'm, I'm defending them. I didn't, I wasn't thinking about this very hard, so I don't know. (laughs) I just feel like they should have made it like, at least make it like $400 per or something. 
Also, is she just Googling them? She's like putting them into her little search engine thingy or whatever that like brings up info about them, which yeah, that I, I don't, I don't even know. know what that is. It's no. like something she has special access to. So one of the things that she uses, actually, I think she does use whatever that like PI, private investigator database that she has a login to, but we do see her using IMDB at one point to dig up dirt on the mother who was in which is like an old anyway and it, but is it supposed to be like okay because it's 2005 or 2004 or whatever that the average high school student like doesn't know how to google their own parents is that like the idea here or just like there's you have to not everything is connected as well i feel like that was true like you couldn't just not everything linked to something else that you could find there were no like there was no social media where a parent would have direct links like you'd have to use nicknames to find someone on imdb or like proof that they were in a so i just think it was like mildly harder to google things that kind of sucks yeah must have been tough when did google become a thing when was that made uh i kind of think early like i th- kind of think late 90s but not super well you i mean i'll look this up real quick are you already googling it i'm googling it 1998 Okay, it's like actually kind of crazy to think that this was written six years after Google was created at all. Yeah. Which means that, yeah, it certainly wasn't like very usable at the time. I do also want to quickly say, while you were looking up that, I took the opportunity to look up the average cost of college in 2005. A public four-year university was around $6,000 if it was expensive. Sorry, that's 2006 to 2007. Um, what? It's less expensive. <laughs> in oh my 2005, God. prices really went up. Private four, uh, a private four-year college was about $20,000 on average. So they, they could have been saving enough for public at the very least. Anyway, Wait, per um, year? private four-year, $20,000. That must be $20,000 per year. That's not that different, right, than it costs now? I, mean, I don't really remember. I feel like public is now like $20,000 and no, private yeah. is like so $60,000. Like, it's like, it's probably like half what it is now. Uh, I don't Crazy. know what college costs. So I'm also going off of what college was 10 years ago, which is yeah. scary to think. So it, we've aged ourselves enough times in this episode. I know. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Um, cool. So yeah, maybe they're making college money. Maybe it's harder to Google things than it is for us these days. But yeah, any other notes from this episode that you had? The only thing that connects back to the overarching mystery is the very end. She finds out that Clarence Wiedemann was the one who called in the tip about Abel something. Kuntz. 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 Abel Kuntz. And that's that was interesting. I yeah. wrote that down in case you would accidentally say something that you're, I'm not supposed to know yet. <laughs> No, I appreciate it. Um, do you have, do you, does that make, I don't know. Do you have now thoughts about that or not really? You're just like, I'm tucking that away. No, I'm just fishing for info. Not from the person who knows. (laughs) No, I have no (laughs) thoughts. I, I, I don't think we're supposed to really know anything yet. Obviously like he did, he took the pictures of Veronica and sent them to her mom. Still doesn't make sense to me why he would do that. If he was trying to run the mom out of town Anyway, mm-hmm. and yeah, obviously somebody called in the tip. It doesn't mean anything to me yet that that's who that was. What if, you know what the thought I had while mm-hmm. I was watching this? What if Lily's still alive? 
and she's not actually dead at all. I can't say any words. <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying to get something. That is, that is, that is, I think a, that's a theory. A, that's probably not. What makes you say a, that? Just, uh, I'm not good at guessing things. So I thought maybe if I guessed like the most ridiculous thing and then it was right, I'd be proud of myself. Nice. I like it. I like that tactic. <laughs> uh, I do want to remind you just in case you forgot, even though these episodes were originally supposed to air in the wrong, in, in the different order, we learned in Neckles Family Christmas that Duncan's father didn't know that Clarence Weedman, that his employee, Clarence Weedman, was hired to take the pictures because Veronica confronts him and he runs to his wife, whose name I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting all of the parents' names. Uh, and he's like, what did you do? And so Clarence Weedman is clearly uh, connected to the Canes, but Duncan's dad is a little bit more out of the loop than we originally thought, at least for that, at least for the, the Veronica pictures. Just I as don't a reminder. think Duncan's dad did it, but I think maybe like his wife hired Clarence to try, like maybe she saw that he looked guilty or maybe she was even worried that he did do it and hired Clarence to throw um, Veronica's dad and the department like off the case mm -hmm. and onto someone else. That's my actual best theory at the moment, but I don't know who did it. That's unknown to me. Also, I'm glad you reminded me for a second time that this was actually supposed to be before the Eccles family Christmas because during, actually, I think at the beginning of the next episode when they did call back to him having been stabbed and by him, I mean, Logan's dad. Mm -hmm. I was like, weird that we went a whole episode without knowing if he was <laughs> dead or not. So it makes sense that that was out of order because I thought that was very odd. Even yeah. though he's not a main character, it still was like strange. I wonder if that had something to do with I wonder if their airing schedule got shifted because of some other thing that was on TV and they wanted to air the Christmas episode like in December. Um, because I can't really think of another reason that these were switched. But yeah, that would make more sense. The final note that I had for this one, I feel like I've already said my like minor trivias and goofs, um, is that in its original broadcast, this episode received 2.84 million viewers, ranking 98 of 107 in the weekly rankings, um, which I think because of the last episode, the Echoes Family Christmas, it increased almost 1 million viewers from the previous episode because of like the hype from Echoes Family Christmas, but it didn't perform as well as Echoes Family Christmas or actually episode 12, the next one to come. So there were a lot more people watching Silence of the Lamb, but they didn't like it as much as Echoes Family Christmas or Clash of the Tritons, which is the next episode. And that's I would agree with bit. that. I liked that one better and the next one better. I agree as well. And 98 yeah, out of 107 is kind of bad. 98 out of 107. Oh, yeah. You know, I was thinking of that as like 107 was the best, but that's not, that's not true. Also, I feel like in the, in the heyday of network TV, like 2 million viewers was not very good. No. I mean, uh, I'm not surprised. Like this wasn't like a hit show. It was like a, it was, a, I mean, what was it? Like a niche teen show, right? Is that a good way to put it? Yeah, I think so. It's not obscure, but it wasn't like the way people talk I mean, about the OC and Winter Hill and whatever. Like it wasn't that. I mean, it was canceled and then like fans brought it back. It got changed to a different network. 
so yeah, clearly there there were people fighting for it, but it wasn't super popular uh, while it was on air. Um, but yeah. Okay, Clash of the Tritons is episode 12 of season one. Original air date, January 11th, 2005. The next week, clearly. This one was directed by David Barrett and written by Phil Klemmer and Ari Wallington. And quick summary for those who didn't just watch it 30 minutes ago. Um, Veronica finds herself the target of a setup when a secret underground society within Neptune High begins planting evidence to get her in trouble. Meanwhile, Aaron hires Keith to find out who's been humiliating his wife and Veronica eavesdrops on fellow students in their counseling sessions in an attempt to learn more about Lily's murder. That's my brief summary. I also should say content warning for this one, um, suicide, just spoiler alert and also content warning. Does she actually, I thought maybe that was like a red herring, but I, I suppose either way, I it's, think it's either a content way. <laughs> warning and you yeah. don't want to tell me. So yes. that's fine. I very much liked this episode a lot i wouldn't say it was like my favorite thus far but potentially one of them Ooh, nice i love okay. a secret society i think that's fun i liked the fake out of like the final reveal i think for once like that was a good reveal i liked yeah. that kristen bell sang even though it was cringy it was fun <laughs> and there was wait was there any there wasn't actually any real we didn't really learn anything about lily's death but like we learned some things, I guess, tangentially from like the therapy. Yeah, I would say we as viewers knew everything that Veronica learned to some extent. We got a few more details specifically from Eli and from Duncan. Um, but yeah, other than that. I think, yeah, I think because we're now like we already knew some of the stuff that Veronica learns. But because she learns it, she's starting to vocalize some of the pieces that might not fit, which is then going to cause us as viewers to be like, wait a minute, um, which I hope is not, I don't know, <laughs> I hope is not like too vague of a thing to say, but like, oh, I don't know. It's interesting because I didn't actually think that the kids or the students or whatever, like the friends had anything like, I didn't feel like Veronica was investigating, but I guess that's why she put the the mic in the stapler. I just thought she was, I honestly thought it was a little weird that she was snooping on everyone. I didn't really understand. I didn't get the sense that she was learning stuff that would help with the investigation. So it's interesting to hear you say that stuff does come back into the investigation from what she learned. I feel like it was just feelings, like Weevil's feelings, Duncan's med situ meds situation. Well, so, okay, Weevil, feelings, but also feelings of, like, anger, anguish. She had broken up with him, and she had requested to be moved out of his his uh, gym class, which, like... And then he killed her. Dun-dun-dun. Uh, we just, like, don't know. Like, there, there are some things that Weevil has kept kind of close to the vest. We know that he liked Lily and had a had a tattoo of Lily but now it seems a little bit more like he was like kind of a stalker I'm not saying this as in yeah. like but yeah like he he seems a little bit more I don't know it, it takes a different tone than it did when we first learned about it with Logan and then also from the snitch what I can't remember Wanda during that episode where she asks about Lily and Eli and then with Duncan he has this whole monologue about like not knowing what where because 
many episodes ago, we learned that none of the Canes actually have a tight alibi. And then Duncan is like, I don't actually know what happened. Like that whole day is missing for me, which is like a little bit weird. <laughs> like, why, why did they harp on that? So we have like a few, it's, I'm not saying like we've gotten anywhere, but I feel like Veronica has a few new places she needs to look. He said he lost like three days. So yeah, I didn't oh, yeah, think I about it that. in retrospect, but yeah, there's definitely things for her to look into. I still think it's weird that she bugged that room. Oh, it's, I mean, it's unethical for sure. Yeah. And well, I don't know. I just felt really weird about it when she learned that her ex-boyfriend was on meds and like on antidepressants and like, he didn't tell her that and it's not her business. And I didn't mm-hmm. like that. That made me sad. It was not like, I've always liked Veronica. Though. Yeah. Some like antipsychotics yeah. is what, is what I gathered from that. Yeah. Also, I think we already sort of knew that because he like hallucinated Lily in a previous episode, but I think it's just that Veronica has always been like in the gray area from a legal standpoint, but never in my opinion, thus far in the gray area from an ethical standpoint. And this was the first time I thought she was. And then I like my heroes to just be pure. I know. Not yeah. Gray area. I feel like her version of this is sort of her. I mean, the justification for her and her mind for this is that the end justifies the means and she needs, she like is grasping at straws to figure out what happened to her best friend, which is not a, it's not a justification, but it is <laughs> like, no, it doesn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I want to know what happens. So I'm not going to say she shouldn't do it. Right. Um, yeah. So a plot sort of. Uh, I'd say the A plot is the driver's licenses. I feel like the murder mystery situation is like very much this aside. I don't even actually have notes about it. I was just off the top of my head talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A plot is, yeah, definitely. That's almost like a C C subplot. Um, B plot, I would say this week, even though it's case of the week-esque, um, it was almost, again, a subplot rather than a full B plot, but was Aaron Eccles and Lynn Eccles. Um so I don't know which one. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Aaron and Lynn first, because I think we have less to say. Um, we've mentioned before, or I've mentioned before, that the person who plays Aaron Eccles and the person who plays Lynn Eccles um, are actually married in real life. So just mentioning that again. I did not know that. Did you mention that before? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Wait, really? Yeah. It's the it's the Real Housewives lady, right? Yeah. Yeah, and they're married in real life. They have a couple daughters together. They're still married. So what are they, why is she a real housewife? Housewife. <laughs> I guess because her husband is, a, uh, is an actor. and But they're both like not, they're not doing well as actors, right? Like uh, Aaron Eccles, certainly not. I think was like an actual movie star in the 80s. I mean, sorry, not Aaron Eccles. <laughs> What's his name? Yeah. The guy, Harry Hamlin. Um, oh. so, yeah, the title of this episode, Clash of the Tritons, is a play on Clash of the Titans, which Aaron Eccles played, or sorry, ha- Harry Hamlin was in the original 1981 Clash of the Titans. I was going to mention that in a, as a fun fact, but so like he is a real movie star. I didn't recognize him. I didn't know. I've okay. never seen Clash of the sense. Titans. So, yeah. Well, me neither. I have actually seen very few movies from like before 1994. <laughs> fair enough i don't have any other notes except that it was really awful of them to discuss getting divorced right over logan's head that was really that poor boy has a lot of trauma understandably 
And uh, I did not think that she actually jumped. I, yeah, I'm not, I wanted to make the suicide warning because I, that that is, that is what is, um, we are implied. intended. Yeah. That's what is implied. We're intended to believe she jumped. Um, so, but that is, yeah, how that ends, which is she pops some pill and then the camera work goes all hazy. And then that's what we see at the, at the end of the episode. But um, I agree. The fighting over Logan, totally terrible. Not out of line with what we've seen from his parents before. Um, him standing up to his mom, like even though knowing that he's been abused the way he has and being like, if you say one more word to her, I'm going to kill you. Standing uh, up for his mom. Not standing his up for mom. his mom. Sorry. Yes. To his dad, for his mom. Yeah. Gave me, I was like, oh, you bo- you broken boy. Still trying to like save some, there's some part of you that is honorable. I don't know. Um, so that was slightly touching. And then, yeah, other than that, oh yeah, the fact, I kind of like good on her for being the one who kept leaking things to the press, taking back the narrative, sort of. I mean, making her herself out to be a little bit of the victim, but also if that's what she wanted, I guess, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's like how she was the public victim. support in that situation. Nobody ever sides with the adulterer. Yeah, I feel like sometimes people do. I feel like sometimes. Well, I think the adulterer like gets like in the end he's fine, right? Like has their career anyway, sort of thing. But like I don't think people side with them. But he's I open. think. <laughs> well, I think like I don't know. I'm thinking of, like Tiger Woods. Like everybody like, was like, yeah, nobody fair. was on his side, but like his career wasn't ruined. Like he's still a person. I, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I do feel like there's been there's a long line of like people like misogynistic people blame women for cheating or like look to see like oh but like was she I don't know was she giving him all he needed whatever like finding ways to blame the person. Who yeah, that still happens. But I I think like overwhelmingly the sentiment is against the cheater and so yeah i don't blame her for for wanting to seem like the victim and putting that info out there because she is the victim of that at least we don't know what else is going on in their marriage yeah i mean we may never know depending on whether or not your your theory is correct um but yeah so we end that without with alina eccles apparently gone um back to the a plot of the ids i noticed that when they first get to veronica's locker and they make her turn over her wallet the lily kane id i think is just a picture of of veronica like it's i don't think it's amanda seyfried i think the lily kane id is um kristen bell but i could be wrong i tried to look at it more closely it just was funny to me well is that the idea like it's so it's she just needs to get in I don't know what she would have used it for, but like if she just needs to be be Lily for some reason, but that would be, I guess, useful. But I thought so she's used Lily Kane's ID before in like the first or second episode to find out about the parking tickets that were on her account. But I I thought it was just that she found Lily's ID and they're both blonde teenagers. And so. That's oh, but it makes up. more sense that it would be a picture of her and just have Lily's name on it. That's actually like a better 
fake ID. But we never saw, oh, true, but we never saw her like make it. So I just assumed that she had found it, but I guess maybe, maybe she no, had No, I feel like it. it's, well, and I guess that was the, I thought that was like the joke. So she has these ideas in her, in her wallet that are fake mm-hmm. for her like sleuth purposes. Right. But all the ideas come out of her locker and she's like appalled and is like, those are obviously not mine. Yeah. But she has fake ideas in her wallet. I did think that was funny. I also appreciate how unflappable Veronica is. Mm. Like, I want to be as unflappable as Veronica. The cops are there. All the ideas tumble out. And she's still, like, giving them sass. She's yeah. not like, oh, shit, I'm about to be like, like, this is a felony. She's yeah, she like, needs mm-hmm. some, I need some pithy comebacks just on the tip of my tongue at all times. And but just, like, no fear. I just appreciate that about her. Agreed. Um, did you have any other notes about this episode in particular? Or I guess that, yes. that plot line. So uh, this high school is full of kids who have no subtlety. I <laughs> I noticed this a few times in this episode. Veronica's getting escorted out of the high school in handcuffs. And someone takes a photo on a digital camera. But first of all, why is the digital camera so ready? How, was it in your pocket? <laughs> Just snap and pick. You didn't carry around a digital camera like period all those times in 2005? Like to homecoming, yeah. Well, 2005, that was a little early. But I, I just just a little odd, just a, a little over the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the taping of the pictures to Logan's locker of like his mom and dad and their divorce or like yeah, they're you know, all issues. Bullies. Like everyone's a bully. And also who cares? Like if, if there were a famous person's son in our high school and we found out they're parents were having marital issues like what like they'd be cyber bullied yeah and that's probably more just like yeah the difference between 2005 and 2010 when we went into mm-hmm. high school so yeah perhaps i'm wrong and this was just this was just old school bullying and that's what it looked like i also was surprised that a high school had a secret society but then i was thinking about it didn't our high school have a secret society? I don't think so. Yes. Like there's something in the back of my mind that's like the, like odd, like a little tiny memory that's like not quite a real memory, but but I feel like is a real memory of some sort of secret society. Do yeah. you know what I'm talking about? I also have the inkling. I don't have any further things to say. I could like be was also- Kevin in it? Can we text him and ask him? Well, let me call him up. Um, I will, I'm conflating a little bit of college and I know for sure there were quote unquote secret societies at college. Uh, but I don't think they like took themselves as seriously as meeting somewhere in a cloak. Like, oh no, if our high school had a secret society, it was like literally like just all of the like nice, the popular people that were like popular for being nice and smart. And like they they left like, wasn't it like a hot, wait, the memories are coming back as I'm talking about it. Wasn't it like a secret happiness study? Like they spread. Oh, that like, definitely existed. I was thinking of something else. So maybe oh, I was no. So maybe I'm conflating the two. Yeah. Um, but or, there was or like a wrong. secret acts of kindness or something. So the opposite of whatever the Tritons are. <laughs> we can, well, they I don't, don't really understand yeah. what this, so I guess in the end we find out they didn't make the guys like take shots until they pass out yeah they just are making them sing karaoke and it's like actually just like the nerdy kids because it was the mit guy right was like the ringleader so in the end we find out like they're not bad they're just what nerdy they're just (laughs) nerdy yeah they just bought something a little to their own yeah i think it's supposed to be high achieving almost almost like honor society type 
secret society. And we don't really know about what, I can't remember if this comes back, but we don't, we don't know much about them, at least from this episode. But yeah, they seem yeah, harmless. In the end, they were, yeah, harmless. I am confused how everyone's getting stuff into other people's lockers, but I guess we see him like slide mm-hmm. ideas up into the thing, but wasn't there something else that was in someone's locker? A note? Oh, you could slide a note in. Okay, fine. I All of this back. stuff. Yeah, there was like an envelope with cash, which again, you could slide in. The so locker, Christine... the top bottom locker. I remembered that as this episode started. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember thinking that was clever. <laughs> I like know a it's silly not that. little high school thing. It's like not that impressive of me to say this because I think everyone knew at the same time I knew. But when she was watching the footage and she was like, nobody comes near the locker. Mm-hmm. Did he definitely have the top locker? Okay, now that I say it all the way out loud, every single person <laughs> figured this out at the same time I did. But I was really proud of myself because I don't normally figure things out. I was like, oh, there's definitely like a like a hatch in the top locker. And then it was just a hole. But still, I was excited that I figured it out because I can be slow. Nice. Love it. Uh, but also, what was, what was he doing? He brought a little saw in and sawed out the top of the locker. Like, who did that? Uh, no, I bet that they have those little like... It's just like a thin metal panel. I bet he just like unscrewed the thing under. No, there was like a hole in it. Go back and look at it. It was like not oh. the whole, not the whole bottom wasn't missing. There was like literally like a hole. Oh yeah, like that's weird. Etched out or like cut out. And so how did he do that? It's metal. Yeah, that is weird. Had Especially if it's so clean. I didn't see it, but I, I'll go I back don't and even, check. Yeah, it's like a perfect cut. So that was, I feel like they should have just, cut out like took out the whole bottom that would have made more sense because i that's what i thought at first and then when it was a hole i was like "Mm, weird Hmm. i was surprised to learn that kristen ball could always sing i kind of for some reason thought that she learned how to sing for frozen which doesn't make sense because why would she have been cast if she couldn't sing but in my mind that's what happened yeah she had her start i think in musicals like she was going out for what for musicals i believe who knew she did musical theater i thought well, it's very yeah. fun. She sounded fine. Her yeah, voice just in general sounds like mm, immature, like not her singing voice, but also her her regular voice like in this show compared to her voice now. And so it was it was what it was. But my question is, was was it always cringy or did it serve back in the day? And it's just cringy because it was 2005 because I got secondhand embarrassment watching that performance. Um, I can't answer that. I had the feeling going back and forth of being like, I'm a little uncomfortable watching this, but I do think at the time this was supposed to be like, a, oh, go get him, Veronica. And I don't know. I can't I can't put myself back in that place and tell you for certain. But Wallace definitely was like, you tell him. And everyone at the bar or wherever they were, whoever they got in as 17 year olds um, was like loving it. There was all that like blurry camera pan motion the like yes but my question is i don't know did the fake actors and actors in the scene no i understand because they were told to or like yeah we need to find somebody that remembers watching it like when it came out in 2005 to tell me if it served or if it was cringy yeah because i will tell you i watched this not in 2005 when it came out but many years later in college so is that when you first watched veronica mars yeah or maybe maybe i started in high school i know that I mean, I definitely okay. wasn't watching until I was five, but yeah. My last note, uh, the bad kid, that's what I wrote. I don't remember his name. The bad kid's like, at the end, he's blaming Veronica. Mm-hmm. He's saying why he blamed Veronica. And he's mad that her dad went after his dad 
for being a hedge fund manager that embezzled because he didn't you... get the bonuses he was deserved. Wait, like, but the what way he says person. it was like, like he was defending his dad for not being a bad person. Like he, he wasn't a bad person because he didn't get his bonuses for three years. And I'm just confused how he thought that that erased the embezzlement part of the problem. I think it's supposed to be kind of like a a lot of wealthy people think of fairness in a different way than, uh, than maybe we think of it. And again, this is a sort of blanket statement. It's also a fake TV show. Um, but I do feel like there are people who are who would have the idea in their heads of like, oh, well, I'm just taking what's rightfully mine. Like it's not embezzling isn't actually as bad a crime because they cheated me out of my bonuses. Like I can see a person believing that even though it's completely ridiculous. Yeah, fair point. And they're like the 09ers or whatever are like exactly. the 1% of the 1%. Yeah. It like took me a second. I literally was like, I'm not sure I heard this man right because it's yeah, it was so so unfathomable to me that I actually thought I thought I misunderstood. But you're right. It was just that he thought he actually thought that was defensible. So that's fun. <laughs> yeah. It was a, a but it was like a fun misdirect or whatever. Like it, a interesting case of the week. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I had a fun time. Um, and then, yeah, I think we've talked about, we, we already talked about Veronica eavesdropping on her fellow students and whether or not we think that's okay. Um, and the stuff that we learned from that, I think that's, I think that's everything for these two episodes. I do have, uh, in this original broadcast of Clash of the Tritons episode was viewed by 2.91 million viewers. So is that more or less than last time I immediately forgot? Uh, last one was 2.8 million viewers. This is 2.9. So, so it's more. going up a little bit. I want, next time you do a stat, next mm-hmm. time you do the viewership stat, I want a comparable, like another show that came out at the same time okay. that I would have heard of. How many views did that get? All right. That sounds reasonable. The number alone isn't, isn't meaning anything to me. Okay. Thank you, my little stats girl. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Okay, cool. Then we will reconvene. I'm going on vacation. So who you might, we might have a, I don't know if we're doing a solo app by Jess or if we're going to be able to record something before I leave. But I have never not, managed to do a solo episode. It always, it, I always have the idea. And then I'm like, what? Well, I'm, I'm going to talk to myself for 30 minutes. That sounds crazy, but we'll you see. Could, you could talk to Matt or to Sam or, you know, we, you don't, it doesn't have to be solo, solo, solo. It could just be solo double take well we'll, we'll see. see otherwise tune back in for the next two episodes uh 13 and 14 of of season one veronica mars next week most likely around the same time find links to follow us on socials and subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes of this episode thank you for listening to double take if you like what you heard please support us by subscribing and leaving a review see you next time The Double Take Podcast is produced by Jess Ball and me, Jennifer Cullen.